0: Good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Turn to your other neighbor and say, welcome to Christ Center. So good to have you today, whether this is your first time or many times or you've been here forever or you're joining us online. We're just so grateful that you'd be here with us for a few minutes today and just do pray that God would speak to your hearts. That's the most important thing, isn't it? You know, we can all be here, but if the presence of God is not here, then we are in trouble. And so, God, we invite your presence today in a powerful way. God, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So, Holy Spirit, would you just fall down afresh on us today? Give us something that we can take with us into this week um, that would bring joy to your heart and advance your kingdom. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. We're in a series entitled The Called. I don't know about you, but have any of you ever uh, been in some kind of an athletic team or, you know, you've been coached? Um, What would happen if your coach told you, all right, let's just say soccer, which is my sport, um, and I'm a defender, and the coach says, go out and mark that player. There's a forward, they keep scoring goals, so your job is to stay on that forward. Now, what would happen if I went out there and I just... Avoided the forward completely. What well, what would happen? Yeah, I'd be taken out of the game because why? I didn't do what the coach asked me to do. And you can translate that to any sport that you want to. But the bottom line is when the coach puts you in and tells you what to do, then that's what you do. And if not, you're pulled out of the game. Jesus made it very clear what our mission is. Our mission is to go into the world and make disciples. And that is the mission of Christ Center. We are to go into the world and we are to share the gospel, making disciples. And sometimes it's difficult to do that. As a matter of fact, today's message is entitled, Discipling Others Through Tough Times. Because let's face it. If you are discipling someone and they're growing in the Lord, a prerequisite for them growing in the Lord, I hate to tell you this, but it's tough times. How many of you have grown in the Lord without tough times? Nobody. No one has. Because it's almost a requirement that we go through difficult times, and last week we went Old Testament. We looked at Mordecai and Esther. This week we're going to go New Testament, and we're going to look at a world class discipler, and that's the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And as you know, our mission is to lead others to Jesus and make disciples. That's our call, and it's based out of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through twenty, and that's this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So some of Jesus' last words, his last mandate, his last face-to-face encounter, we should pay attention to these last words. Go and make disciples. All of us who are followers of Jesus, this is our call to go and make disciples. Doesn't mean you have to have your life all perfect. Uh, You'll notice that the disciples, even after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit fell, they still didn't have it all together, did they? No, but there's probably someone that's not as far along on the journey as you are that you could help, that you could bless. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it means to help people and disciple them when they're going through difficult times, because guaranteed they will go through difficult times. But first of all, it begs the question what is a disciple? What does that word even mean? It's the Greek word, mateteos. You want to say that five times fast? Mateteos. And that means a learner. You are a learner. That's what a disciple is. They have committed their life to learning. And so whether you are discipling someone or being discipled, you're a learner. As a matter of fact, there's something that I pray for my family almost every day. Bring a Paul and a Timothy into our life. Apostle Paul, someone that's further along in the faith, and a Timothy, Timothy is someone that's not as far along in the faith. Bring someone that can invest in me and then someone that I in turn can invest in. This is the call. This is the mandate for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. And so how do we do that? How do we help people through difficult times? First of all, you have to understand that we're going to look at a section of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And this particular text of Scripture is... um, It's a rough letter. It's actually Paul's final letter. And it's a letter full of his heart. Full of emotion. Full of compassion. It's a letter that he wrote in probably one of the most difficult times of his own journey. It's when he was in prison. And he was not just in prison, but the scriptures say that someone showed up to find him and they had a difficult time finding out where he was at. So this isn't just a prison out in the middle of the town square. This is an obscure hole in the ground hidden off somewhere. He was all alone. In a dark dungeon. And prisons of the day, you know, often had water in them. And and you would relieve yourself in that water. This is where he lived. He was chained. And on the day that he appeared before the magistrate, it said that he had no one there with him. He was all alone. No one came to defend him. No one came to stand by his side. He goes on to say that he bore in his body the marks of following Jesus. What does that mean? He bore in his body the marks of following Jesus. It meant that when his back would itch and he'd go to scratch it, he could literally feel the scars of his back being ripped open by rods and by whips. He was left for dead outside a village when they tried to kill him with stones. He was left shipwrecked, deserted on an island, He was bit by snakes. No thank you. He endured all this. And he was all alone, he was at the end and and he knew his time was coming. And it was determined how he would die. He would die by beheading. And so here he is in this dark dungeon full of scars of following Jesus all alone. And somehow he gets a letter from his protege, his young apprentice named Timothy. And as he reads this letter, his heart begins to break because he recognizes that Timothy is in trouble. Timothy is hurting. Timothy is afraid. Timothy was a leader of a church in Ephesus, but things were not going well. And he could read in this letter the struggle in Timothy's heart. And so... He responded to this letter, and that's what we're going to look at today. But before we get into that, what is a learner? I want to read a section of Scripture for you. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice And the God of peace will be with you. Let's read that again. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I want to talk about three ways that we learn. And this is important because these are three ways that clearly the Apostle Paul used on Timothy. The first way that we learn is through instruction. As a matter of fact, you're here today and this is one of the ways that you're discipled. This is the one of the ways that you become a metateos a learner, is through instruction, through teaching. It's through reading. It's Bible studies. It's lectures. It's books. It's school. This is a, one of the primary ways that we grow is through instruction. That's why I think it's important that all of us become lifelong learners, that we're always growing, that we, we don't take gathering together to open God's word uh, lightly, but we take it seriously because this is one of the ways that we, we work. It's one of the ways that it works to be a disciple. And it's probably the least effective, though. It's low risk. But there's a second way we learn, and that's through apprenticeship. And that's living up close to someone. I don't know if you've ever you know, been in an industry where you had to apprentice under someone, maybe a journeyman, maybe uh, if you're in the medical field, maybe it's a residency. But you've had to work with someone, not just head knowledge, but you actually had to work with someone else, watch how they do it, and then do it like they do it. That's apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. But in apprenticeship, there's a safety net. Because if you blow it, guess what? The master, the person teaching you, can say, whoa, whoa, wait, don't push that button. Don't cross those wires. Don't you know, take out that organ or whatever. There's a safety net there. And, and Paul had done this with Timothy. He had instructed him. Timothy apprenticed under the Apostle Paul. But that's, that's not enough. Who would want heart surgery from someone that just read about it in a book? Anyone? No, you wouldn't. You would want someone that had practiced, that had worked with someone else that knew what they were doing. And that's what apprenticeship is. But then there's a, a third layer of being a learner. And that's immersion. It's when you Have access, complete access, to the culture. Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So in the scripture above, remember it says the things you've seen and learned and heard from me, that's instruction. And then uh, you've watched me do, that's apprenticeship. Put into practice, that's immersion. Immersion and the God of peace will be with you. Why? Because I'm not going to be anymore. The Apostle Paul knew that there would be a day where Timothy would have to do this thing alone, and he wouldn't be there as the safety net. He would be immersed into the culture. Have you ever been immersed into a culture? Have you ever taken, anyone taken a mission trip, and you're immersed into the culture? A baby is immersed into the culture, aren't they? When they come out, they have these, they have massive amounts of mirror neurons. That's why when you smile at a baby, unless they have gas or something, that's why they're smiling back. Is because these little mirror neurons are firing off and they mimic you. They're learning from you. They're immersed in the culture. They learn your words. We were FaceTiming our grandson the other night, and his parents told him something. And I think this was for the very first time he just said no. And his parents were like, what do we do with that? And we're like, oh, get used to it. (laughs) No. That's something he learned. He was immersed in the culture. And it's in immersion it's when you're thrust into the culture without the safety net that you're most tempted to say enough is enough and you're most tempted to say I I can't do this anymore and see, Timothy had been immersed in the culture of Ephesus. He was a leader. He was a pastor. He was trying to run the church the best he knew how to do. He was applying the principles that Paul taught him. He was applying the principles that they had, had used together in their missionary journeys. And yet, it wasn't working. And he was afraid. And he wrote this letter. To the Apostle Paul, send it off. And the Apostle Paul gets it in this dark, damp dungeon. And he's already got all this stuff going on in his own life. And yet, he's so concerned about Timothy. And don't we all have people in our lives that we're trying to encourage in the faith? We're trying to just encourage in general. And it, it almost seems like they're not receiving it because the times that they're in are so difficult. Maybe you've tried to help someone that was addicted. Or maybe you've tried to help someone that was in depression. Or maybe you've tried to help someone that had walked away from the faith. And they're going through a storm. They're going through tough times. And, and, and you find yourself not knowing how to disciple them. I think in 1 Timothy chapter 1, there's a blueprint for how we can disciple those that are going through difficult times. And so I just want to look at a few ways that the Apostle Paul did, the, did that in 1 Timothy. And to set it up, I want to use an illustration. There was a man uh, by the name of Monty Roberts. And Monty Roberts, when he was young, grew up in the, the high plains of America. And so his dad was a cowboy. And his dad would go out and he would find wild horses. He'd bring them back and he would tie them to a post. And he would take a blanket and he would begin hitting the horses and hitting around the horses. And the horses would try to escape. They'd try to run, but they couldn't. They were, they were stuck to this post. And it would terrify them. And this young Monty Roberts would see the look of horror on these horses as, as they tried to escape and yet couldn't. And it was his dad's way of taming that horse. But Monty saw the absolute fear and horror in the eyes of the horse, every time his dad did this. And if that failed, then he would simply beat the horse until its spirit was broken. And that's what he saw time after time after time. And as he grew up, he wondered if, if maybe there's a better way, if perhaps there's a better way to bring a horse into the herd than what his dad did. And so he began observing horses in the wild. And inevitably, when there was a herd, there was always a lead mare that was in charge, the boss. And whenever a young stallion wanted to enter the herd, he would come near the herd and that lead mare would come out and meet him and stare him straight in the eye and his ears would go back in a posture of challenge he was challenging this young stallion and the young stallion would bend down to the ground and begin pawing at the dust in submission and then that lead mare would do something that seemed so bizarre He would go from this posture of confrontation and then he would turn to the side and expose his flank, which is where the predators would attack. It's where they're most vulnerable. And he would turn and expose his flank and his ears would go up. And it was a posture of vulnerability. And when when he went to the posture of vulnerability, the young stallion would come closer. But then he would turn back around, ears down, stare him in the face. He would bow. He would paw at the ground. And this would go on back and forth as this young stallion continued to inch his way forward. And at some point, they became so close that the lead mare could reach down And touch the young stallion. And when he did that, it was called join up. That's the name of it. He was invited into the herd. And we see this over and over and over in the Bible. This same posture of invitation. There's a season of confrontation. But there's also a season of invitation. And we see this in this letter written back to Timothy, who's afraid. Paul's not afraid to confront, but he's also inviting and vulnerable with young Timothy. And so I want to look at what the Apostle Paul did to help Timothy in his difficult time. Number one, he reflects. The Apostle Paul reflects. Let's read the Scripture. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Think about where he's writing this from. At any moment, a guard or guards could come in and take him, and he would be beheaded. And yet, there he is. Believing that life is coming through Jesus. He starts out by thanking God. You see, before he can help Timothy through his tough time, he needs to make sure his own heart is right, that his own faith is intact. And so he reflects on the goodness of God despite his circumstances. First things first, I have to talk about my own faith. I have to make sure that my heart is full of thanksgiving. When you're discipling someone and they're in difficult times, you don't just step into that conversation, but you reflect on the goodness and faithfulness of God in your own life. Because how can you talk to them about it if you yourself don't believe it? And he basically shared his own personal testimony of going through difficult times. That's what he was doing. And, and, and we can do the same thing as we disciple others. We can share those dark moments of our life where God has been faithful. But he reflects. And then he reaffirms. See, he says, Timothy, a beloved student, pupil, apprentice. What does he say? No, a beloved son. Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He reaffirms that he is his spiritual son in the Lord. Do you know how many people that you could be investing in and pouring in? They need to know you care. They need to know that, despite sometimes the circumstances, you're still in their corner. We don't know much about Paul's or, or uh, Timothy's dad, other than he was Greek, but there's no reference that he was a believer. And yet Paul became his spiritual dad. It says in four different books that, letters that Paul wrote Timothy, my beloved son, Timothy, my son, Timothy, my son. Get a heritage. One of the things that we do at Christ Center is um, we have a ring. It's called a core ring. And it has a circle and then it has a cross and then another circle. And we give these out to graduates who have invested their life in our youth ministry. They've just chosen to be servants. And we hand these out and Engraved in the, in the ring, it says forever united in the journey. And we give them to them as they go off and do amazing things in the world. It's to remind them that they're never alone, that we're always just a phone call away. And I don't know how many times a student has looked at their ring and just called and said, hey, I just needed to talk to you. I can remember the Lord putting someone on my heart and I called that person I said hey I was just thinking about you and he says you know what's crazy he says I haven't worn my core ring in forever I've not really been walking with the Lord but just this morning I put it on again and then you called boy isn't God good now that same kid is leading worship for thousands of people every Sunday why because he had people that believed in him a whole church that believed in him, prayed for him, let him step out and use his gifts for the kingdom. But we have to reaffirm those people that maybe are, are, have run away from the Lord. Maybe they think they've done something so bad that they could never be forgiven. Reaffirm who they are. Number three, request. He said, I thank God whom I serve. This is a Paul in a dank, dark, damp dungeon. Always thankful. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, Timothy. Without ceasing. Night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears see Timothy said I'm weeping I'm afraid I'm fearful everyone's abandoned me here I'm the only one that's left I'm trying to run this church but it's so hard but what's Paul doing every day in that dark dungeon he's praying for Timothy night and day he's requesting God, would you show up in Timothy's life? Would you bring him some leaders? Would you help him have faith? Would you show him and speak to him? He is calling down heaven for Timothy. Why do we ever think that we're going to really ever disciple someone unless we pray for them consistently? God works in us, but he also works through us. And that release comes through prayer when we're praying faithfully for them. How does he enter the prayer room? With thanksgiving. He's scarred. He's cold. He's, you know, probably damp. He knows his execution is right around the corner. And yet he enters the throne room with thanksgiving. We have a lot to learn from Paul. Number four, he reminds Timothy. He reminds him of his faith, as heritage. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith. If you could put that scripture up, that would be great. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. He reminded him that there's a faith, a deep faith. When it talks about that faith, it's cupominesco, and it means a memory that comes from deep inside. Do you have a memory that's deep inside of you? Maybe it's a moment in your journey that you just know you'll never forget, a powerful moment. Well, Paul was there with Timothy when he had some powerful moments. He says, remember, Timothy, you were called. The person that you're discipling that's going through tough times, they need to hear you say, remember, you were called. God called you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And by the way, if any of you are doubting that right now, this is God speaking to you. You have a call on your life. God has a purpose for your life. There is no one in here that is an accident. There's no one in here that doesn't have a purpose of God in their life. And sometimes we have to remind people of that. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Don't you remember, Timothy, when I laid my hands on you and the gift of God showed up? Remember that. And and it's a weird kind of word when it says remember that it's it's uh, it's keep remembering. It's ongoing remembering. Sometimes we have to consistently remind people that they're called of God, that they have a purpose, that they have a plan. Now remember, there's different postures. There's a posture of invitation but there's also a posture of confrontation. And so here's the fifth and last point is Paul required something of Timothy. He required something of it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's telling Timothy, I know you're afraid. I know you're weeping. I know it seems like no one's there, but listen to me. God has not given you a spirit of fear. And if there's anyone in this room that is yoked with a spirit of fear, God, break it now in Jesus' name. God has not given you that spirit of fear that's straight from the pit of hell. What God wants to give you is a spirit of faith. He says he's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy, don't let fear win the day. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I know you're tempted to run. Stand your ground don't give in he has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began you want to help someone in difficult times first reflect on your own life the goodness of God in your own life. Make sure your own, your own faith is intact. Reaffirm who they are to you. Reaffirm who they are to you. I trust in you. I believe in you. You're like a son to me. You're like a daughter to me. God has great things for you. Reaffirm in their life who they are. Request. Be constantly seeking the Lord for them. Don't give up. Some of you are tempted to give up because the person you've been discipling is they've left Dodge. And I know there's sometimes where you have to leave the sideline and you have to move into the bleachers. But even in the bleachers, you can pray for them. Don't give up praying. Maybe for you, it's reminding them What did he remind Timothy? He said, Remember your grandma Lois? Oh, she had faith. Grandma Lois. It all started with her. And guess what, Timothy? That faith that was in your grandma Lois, that faith is in you too. How many of you have a grandma Lois in your life? Thank them today. How many want to be a Grandma Lois or Grandpa Louis? Louis, Grandpa Louis or Grandma Lois? I want to be a Grandpa of faith for my grandson, Atlas. That's, That's what I want. But he reminded him. And then lastly, he required him. He said, okay, now it's time to stand back up, Timothy. It's time to wipe the tears off. It's time to have faith. It's time to let the fear go. And it's time to stand back up in the power of the Lord and finish what God started in your life. I don't know which area you're drawn to today with the one you're discipling. But would you make it a pledge to the Lord that this week you're going to put some priority behind that? Would you just stand with me now so I can pray over you, pray over myself? Lord, discipling, it can be so hard. And I know there's so many times where the Gospels indicate your frustration with your own disciples. And yet you have no plan B. This is it. That we would lead people to Jesus and make disciples. So Lord, empower us as a church to do that. Every day. So that when the horizon sets on our life, we would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone that wants the spirit to empower them, the disciples said, amen. Let's worship.